I'm not targeting anyone specifically. You know, I've I said, and I've been saying it, I've been pretty transparent and intentional that we'd like that fourth time zone to create more value for our, t- for our media partners. You know, we're, we're entering a third time zone, obviously with our expansion that becomes official uh, in July with, you know, the four great new schools coming into our conference. But would I like to be a national conference in all the different time zones and from a geography standpoint, have our Big 12 flag all over the country? 100%. That's Big 12 Conference Commissioner Brett Yormark. Yormark sat down for an exclusive interview on an all-new episode of Kanzano and Wilner, the podcast. What's better than one, John? Here's Johnny. Hmm, nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kanzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. I'm John Canzano. You can read me exclusively at johnconzano.com. Get a free subscription. Get a paid subscription. Whatever works for you works for me. I'm here with John Wilner, the guru from the Bay Area News Group. You can find him at pac12hotline.com. Wilner, I'm excited about the guest we're having on today. We've been trying to get Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, for a long while. Yep. I mean, the Big 12 has been in the news a ton in the last six months, and certainly there's this you know, relationship that has formed between the or dynamic between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and their futures uh, in some respects, you know, and and I think that it's just going to it's a great conversation for uh, college sports fans in both conference footprints and, and all over the country to hear, you know, what Brett has to say on some key issues, because nothing just affects one league. Right. I mean, these big topics have a ripple effect all across college sports and, and, you know, what any of the commissioners there's, there's four right now, what any of the commissioners have to say, you know, on these, these topics is I think critical for fans to better understand the landscape. Yeah. I'm really interested in the ecosystem and I'm interested in, you know, can the big 12 and the PAC 12 coexist and, you know, the, uh, the, the cat cattiness that has been gone back and forth, the grenades thrown back and forth, uh, I'm curious uh, his perception of that, what he sees on the horizon for expansion and has sort of how he views the Big 12's role in that ecosystem. And so without further ado, uh, joining us now, Big 12 Conference Commissioner Brett Yormark. John and John, listen, <laughs> I, I, I read a lot about you guys. <laughs> Good to see you. Thank Good you for doing you. this. Appreciate no, no, you doing this. No, well, first of all, guys, it's it's a it's an honor and a pleasure to be with both of you. I mean, I really, I I tease you, but I read everything you guys put out and appreciate what you do for the for collegiate athletics, and um, just thrilled to be here and look forward to meeting both of you in person at some point in time. Were either of you guys in Super Bowl? No, I heard you were there though. What was it like? I was making my rounds. You know me, <laughs> can't sleep. Um, no, you know what? It was great. Uh, I, I've. When I was at NASCAR, I used to go every year, and then I kind of took a break. And over the last couple of years, when I was at Rock, obviously we did the halftime show, I started going to the Super Bowl again. And, you know, for me, it's the one place you can kind of see everyone, check all the boxes. Um, And I was able to do that. And, you know, Phoenix did a great job. The weather was terrific. Obviously, I didn't stay for the game um, just because I had to head back uh, to Dallas. But uh, it was a good two days there for sure. Well, we've been trying to get you on for a while and, uh, you know, finally lined up. Coincidentally, there's some news 
in your footprint that probably excited to talk about. But just give us an idea. Six months ago, you take over. It's probably felt like a whirlwind. What has that been like for you? It's been great. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I came here not knowing much about the collegiate uh, athletic space. Uh, Obviously, I brought a lot of skill sets here, just given my background. But, um, you know, the industry was new to me. Uh, I, I went on those campus tours, as you both know. For the first two or three weeks, listened, learned, engaged with key stakeholders uh, as best I could. And then based on what I heard and learned, you know, I've applied a lot of that to the last couple of months relative to building the staff here, uh, organizational design at the Big 12, making sure that we have the right resources in place to better serve our member institutions and our student athletes. And then, you know, obviously, when I came here, I had a couple of goals in mind um, at, a, at a very high level. Um, as you know, it was to get out there and try to get a TV deal to solidify, you know, the conference and stabilize our future. Uh, I wanted to resolve the Oklahoma and Texas issue. I was asked, obviously, numerous times when I was introduced in July, you know, what the future of that might look like. And thankfully, last week, uh, I, I think it's fair to say it was a win-win uh, for all parties. And that was the goal to make sure that everyone left feeling pretty good about, you know, the result. Uh, And now step three for me is, you know, how do I think about the Big 12, its future, its composition, its business uh, on a go forward basis? So it's been a a great first six months. I've learned a lot. I think we've accomplished a lot as a conference. I I love the narrative about around the Big 12 right now and where we're going. I, I think I've also been lucky. I mean, you think about TCU and the run to the championship there. I mean, that was unexpected. They were the first team and ever that was unranked that would end up in the championship game. Obviously, uh, men's basketball this year has been off the charts, probably one of the best years ever for the Big 12 when you think about our success. So um, I've been lucky. Uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, I think as a conference, we've accomplished a lot, but there's just so much more to do. And I'm focused on our future and just making sure that we can be the best version of ourselves. Brett, we definitely want to get into a bunch of what what you mentioned, but start with the news from last week with Texas and Oklahoma, you know, $100 million combined exit fee. Could you explain to us, to Big 12 fans, everybody, how how is that going to benefit the the Big 12, especially on the financial basis with your eight continuing members, uh, four new members? Well, uh, first, I'll say that it was a great result for the Big 12 community. Um, it, it just provides clarity and certainty. Yep. There was a lot of questions being asked of me, the media, our key stakeholders. When does Texas and Oklahoma leave? Do they leave early? Do they not? And I think we just need to put it to bed. And I think everyone uh, liked the result, all the parties involved. Uh, I'll tell you, it was a difficult uh, deal to get to. Uh, just because you had six parties at the table, effectively, when you think about two conferences, two networks and uh, the two schools. But uh, there there was a goal that we all collectively had. And that goal was how do we how do we all win as a group? And I think we did as it relates to the result and how it affects our, our schools. Well, obviously, we had to fund expansion on a go forward basis. The four new schools that are coming in July. And in many respects, we've been able to recoup some of that dilution um, with the exit fee for the continuing eight. Um, So from a financial 
perspective, it, it was positive for us. But more than the financials, it just it provided clarity and it gave us an opportunity to really think about our business on a go forward basis um, and to accelerate some of the things we're discussing internally um, as we are building our business, building our brand. So uh, I'm really happy with the result and um, took a little longer than I was uh, I was hoping it would take. But deals yeah. of this magnitude usually do your goals out of the gate, Texas, Oklahoma, part of it. Uh, media rights, obviously part of it. You went early on media, so you decided to make that decision. Why did you go early? Do you think you left money on the table by doing so? Certainly didn't leave any money on the table. As you're reading now, you know, the media landscape's changing. The, the, the big media companies are really more focused on what they need versus what they want. I think we're reading about that every day. It's a changing la- landscape. And not that I had any foresight uh, into it, but obviously uh, with our partners endeavor, um, we, we, we strategized and we, we looked at the landscape. We looked at who was going to be in the market at the same time. I mean, when I was in Phoenix, you, you know, everyone was there talking to the media partners. I mean, think about UFC being out there right now, the NBA, CFP, WWE, it, it, it's a, it's a, you know, crowded space right now. And by gr- going early, I was able to gain the attention of arguably two of the biggest media brands in the world. And they saw our vision. Uh, they realized where we were going. They, they liked it and they doubled down on us. So um, for all the right reasons, we went early. And, and I think that decision today is looking even better and better uh, as we move forward. How did you calculate the, the media landscape, the consumption landscape, say, let's say halfway, halfway through your next deal, right? It's, we're 2027, 2028. What did you envision the media landscape being at that point for fans in terms of the linear versus streaming versus something else in terms of the consumption piece? Well, I mean, I, I didn't really look at it midterm. The way I was looking at it, uh, you know, candidly from a strategic point of view was, what do we need now? What does the Big 12 need now? And what do we need during the next term. And for me, I felt it was all about being on the biggest platform and having the greatest reach possible, having great promotion and turning many of our emerging brands or our member institution brands into household brands. And what would provide me with the best opportunity to do that? I felt ESPN and Fox were, were the ones for sure. Um, now, are we moving towards a, a, a more digital uh, environment? Um, not overnight, it's going to yeah. take time. And I think by the next bite at the apple, uh, which will be in 31, um, obviously we'll go into the market before that, but 31, um, at that point in time, we might think about things differently. But right now and for the foreseeable future, being with the two biggest platforms in college sports, receiving the kind of promotion they deliver and the households they deliver, and how they build brands was a, a key priority for us. Uh, and I'm just thrilled you know, and, and honored in many respects that ESPN and Fox saw the value of the Big 12 and that they decided amongst this cluttered marketplace that we were an asset and someone and, and a conference that they wanted to be a part of long term. Yep. And just for my own clarity, uh, have you all signed your grant of rights yet? 
yes, we have grant of rights signed with all of our members. Gotcha. hundred percent. One hundred percent. We you know, it, it's interesting you should ask that, John, because I'm going to speak on that for a minute. One of the things that I've enjoyed being here, you know, you asked about my first six months and my experience is the fact that the like mindedness of, of our board, of our member institutions. And, and I and I saw that when I interviewed for the job, you know, that th- there was this alignment that we could really do some positive things, break some boundaries in a, in a positive way, you know, move this conference forward. But in order to do that, you need to have a like-minded board and everyone is aligned. So when we had this opportunity to move forward with ESPN Fox, there was no hesitation. Uh, our membership saw the, saw the opportunity and uh, they embraced it, no different than myself. Expansion uh, has come up a number of times. You've talked about it. Others have talked as well. Obviously, the Big Ten went. Uh, what's your criteria when you talk about adding members to the Big 12 in football? And where does basketball fit in that in your mind? It feels like basketball, men's basketball in particular, may be undervalued in some of these conferences. John, that's a great question. So when I think of expansion, I think about it in, in, a, in a couple of ways. Performance, cultural fit. Um, I, I also look at time zone and geography. Um, and it, it, so, you know, we, we go through this modeling, if you will. Um, uh, you know, is it the right fit for us? And, um, you know, I can I continue to to think about expansion for all the right reasons and what's going to be additive to our conference uh, in every way possible. Um, when you think about basketball specifically, I do feel that basketball uh, is undervalued in this industry. Um, I, and I've got numbers and data to show it. But putting that aside for a minute, I just think it's been undervalued and it's been bundled with football. And um, I think at some point in time, that value proposition needs to change. And obviously, I I speak to that from a position of strength because we are the number one conference in America when you think about uh, college basketball. And um, at the right time, I'm sure we're going to be able to monetize it. Um, So I think there's real upside there going forward. What does that look like when you when you talk about basketball? Because I've heard, you know, others talk to Mark Few at Gonzaga about, you know, he mentioned a, a basketball only conference that could sprout up in the future. In your mind, is that a pipe dream? Is that reality? What do you see on the horizon? No, listen, I, I don't get into the, the what ifs of basketball only conference. I can say that obviously, you know, football drives the day in the moment. Um, and you've, you guys have talked about that and we know that to be fact, but I, while at the same time, I feel basketball is undervalued and I think we have an opportunity to monetize basketball in a way that hasn't been done before. And it's certainly something I'm thinking about it. So if the opportunity ever exists, we're within the construct of what makes sense for expansion, where as part of that, we can double down on basketball and further cement our leadership position. It's certainly something that I'm willing to consider. But when you mention expansion, no matter what the context is, where you are, people automatically think you're targeting existing Pac-12 schools. Is that the case? I'm not existing. I'm not targeting anyone specifically. You know, I've I said, and I've been saying it 
have been pretty transparent and intentional that we'd like that fourth time zone to create more value for our, t- for our media partners. You know, we're, we're entering a third time zone, obviously, with our expansion that becomes official uh, in July with, you know, the four great new schools coming into our conference. But would I like to be a national conference in all the different time zones and ge- from a geography standpoint, have our Big 12 flag all over the country? 100 percent. Um, and we'll see where it, where it ends up. Obviously, it's a fluid process. There's a lot uh, at stake out there. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where we end up. But it is certainly something I think about daily. Um, and it's been part of my vision since I've been here. And, I, and, and I've been very public about it. Since maybe July, last July, the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have been pitted against each other. Grenades flying back and forth, all that stuff. I'm focused on the ecosystem. Is it good for the overall health of college athletics to have the Big 12 and the Pac-12 fighting? I, I just want to, you know, kind of go on the record. No one's fighting. I mean, I, I have a great relationship with George. You know, we have a collegial re- re- relationship. I've known George for years. You know, I believe in this industry that you can partner with all of your colleagues and all for all the right reasons. But at the same time, know that from time to time, you're going to compete. And that's the world we live in. That's the world I came from. Uh, you know, when I was the CEO of the Brooklyn Nets, you'd be at board meetings with your contemporaries from around the league. And everyone is thinking about what's in the best interest of the sport and the NBA. And then you leave that room and you also know that as much as you've spent three or four days thinking about what's in everyone's best interest, you are all going to compete for players. You're going to compete in a, in a particular market. Um, and, and I use that mindset here too. I mean, I, I, I look to partner with all of my colleagues in the power five as often as I can. And when the opportunity exists, but there is going to be those moments when we compete and that's just life. So we're not going after the PAC 12, the PAC 12 is not going after us. George and I have a nice relationship. The media has turned it into something different, but from my standpoint, I have a good relationship with all of my colleagues. It's important to me on a personal and professional level to grow those relationships but in time, but it, there will be those moments where we compete, and that's okay. What do you see the Big 12's role in that being? Pac-12, SEC, Big 10. Because fans are watching the overall marketplace shift, and there's some instability there. Yeah, and that's a great question. I think as it relates to the industry, it's incumbent upon the Power Five and the Power Five commissioners to take a leadership role in what's good for the industry and partner with the NCAA and make sure there's fluid direction. And obviously there's challenges out there right now, but the question is, you know, how do we respond to those challenges? And we look forward to, you know, working with governor Baker on how to resolve some of those challenges uh, in the future, but we need to play a significant role uh, in the future landscape of um, collegiate athletics. And I can tell you that uh, all the power five commissioners uh, are committed to that. Right. And working, you're working together, candidly. Your whole approach makes sense on a lot of levels to me, except for the fact that it seems to run counter to the general tenor of higher education, right? I mean, universities and university presidents are very conservative. College football has been, you know, entrenched in its ways for, you know, 100 years. I mean, Notre Dame has as many votes in the CFP as the SEC does, right? 
how have your presidents responded or moved with you to the approach you're taking you know to aggressively pursue all these different uh all these different you know goals well i mean i think they've been very much aligned with me um you know i i presented my vision for the future during the interview process and ultimately i was selected and i think at the end of the day the student athlete experience student athlete wellness um all the things that you hear about are, are still a priority or will always be a priority. Um, but while that's a priority, we can also diversify, you know, how we, go, how we operate and, and manage the business and grow revenue and create value and do, do some of the things that I'm doing. Um, all within the confines and guidelines of what's most important. And obviously our member institutions are important. Our student athletes are important. And, and you know, last night, in fact, I was in Stillwater uh, meeting with student athletes and and discussing, you know, life and their journey um, and their experience on campus. Uh, then I met with donors and, and discussed, you know, a little bit more about the, the business side and how we're creating value for the Big 12 uh, and talked a little bit about our TV deal and how we're diversifying revenue and creating new IP and amplifying our championship um, experiences, not only for our fans, but for our student athletes. So, um, uh, you know, we're looking at this from a lens that's very well-rounded, but with always, but always from the lens of what's most important. And, um, that hasn't changed since I've been here. I want to go back to Brett Yormark, the sports fan growing up. What were your first sports experiences like your first stadium? Uh, take us back to uh, your childhood. That's a great question. So, you know, I grew up in a single parent household. Um, my twin brother, um, my identical twin brother was always my best friend. So we shared all these wonderful experiences growing up together. We loved basketball. Uh, we played one-on-one -on -one often, you know, uh, you know, on the, on the driveway early on, you know, we went to a, our first ever basketball game, which was a, a game at Madison Square Garden. It was Julie Serving's first year with the Sixers. Uh, we, we sat in the last row in the, you know, in the upper deck there. And um, that was the beginning of our fascination with basketball. Um, from that moment on, we were diehard Sixer fans. We used to take the train down and watch the playoffs when they won it um, with Julie Serving and Moses Malone and Andrew Tony and that whole group, Maurice Cheeks. And uh, so I always grew up a, a bit of a basketball fan and, and uh, but then I, you know, I gravitate to all sports, you know, as most young teenagers do. And when my brother and I, you know, embarked on, you know, our, our college experiences, uh, I went to Indiana because they were at the time, you know, Bobby Knight was there and they had a great basketball tradition. And I decided to uh, attend IU at, in, in Bloomington. My brother went to Maryland and um enjoyed my college life there it was fantastic in fact my daughter's a freshman or not freshman she's a senior um at indiana so she followed in my footsteps uh, but i've always been a college you know sports fan always been a sports fan growing up and um and i'm living my dream you know having been in the industry for as long as i have been and the different experiences that i've been a part of i, I feel very very blessed very fortunate you know to be the commissioner of the big 12 you know, as you've probably both have heard before, 
I always had this career progression ladder and I thought somewhere in that progression, I would end up uh, in collegiate athletics. At the time, I thought maybe I'd be an AD. That would be a great way to kind of round out my career. But fortunate enough for me, this opportunity presented itself. So I'm exactly where I want to be in life. Um, I'm, I guess you could say I'm living my dream and have been for many, many, many years. And uh, just fortunate that I'm able to do what I do. Are you in favor of NCAA tournament expansion? You know, I haven't really thought much about it, candidly, but I will tell you this. I've been a big fan of the tournament. Uh, I, I think it captures the imagination of hardcore fans and casual fans all across this country. You think about appointment viewing. Uh, I mean, during those couple yep. of weeks, I mean, people are engaged like nothing else. Whatever makes that tournament better and more vibrant, I'm for. Um, but I will tell you, it's one of my favorite parts of the year. And I'm really excited that I can play a significant role this year. I mean, if you think about our schools right now, um, eight out of 10 yep. should make the tournament. And uh, I'll be traveling around, you know, wearing a little different hat, not just as a fan. So I'm very, very excited about it. But whatever makes the tournament better and more vibrant, uh, I'm in favor of. Um, but right now, I mean, it, it's a great platform. And you, you just want to make sure you're thoughtful about expansion and any changes. Did you learn any lessons from the CFP expansion process you think should be applied to the tournament? Or are they com completely different animals? I think they're different animals. But I will tell you, the CFP expansion process uh, was very thoughtful. You know, obviously I was a rookie in the room, um, had a lot to learn, listened a lot early on, and then became a little bit more vocal uh, as the process, you know, went on. Um, but I thought it was a really good process. Um, obviously, it started well in advance of my arrival. Yep. Um, so for me, for, for other commissioners, it might have been it might have taken a lot longer than than they had hoped or maybe even expected for me. That, that wasn't necessarily the case. But I thought the process was very thoughtful. Uh, all the key stakeholders were a part of it, which I think is critically important. And um, I was fortunate to be in the room. If I could just keep on that theme of, of expansion and, and the future, what do you see from college football in 10, 15 years, do you think there will be a bifurcation with like an upper division and lower division like English soccer has, maybe even with relegation and promotion? Do you think there'll be three power conferences that each have 20, 24 leagues? It just seems like the economic forces, and, and there's one happening today, right, with the, the Johnson case. If student athletes are employees in a few years and there's this huge pressure on athletic departments they have to continue to chase the revenue how does that play out with what the fans see in college football i, I don't john i don't have a crystal ball I, I really don't and you know i i but i will say this every week you know we're, we're, I'm, I'm engaged with my colleagues you know, in, in the FBS conferences, the Power Five conferences on, you know, how we as an industry can be better and stronger and more vibrant. And what does the future look like? And I don't think anyone has immediate answers today, but we're thinking about that because one thing is for sure. 
college football specifically, and, and you asked about it, is very special. You know, I didn't grow up around college football, but I experienced it this year. And, you know, when I went to the bowl games and I experienced our season, it really became it, it, it crystallized for me how special college football really is. And I remember a meeting I had with one of the big professional sports commissioners before I took this job. And they said to me, Brett, college football is the number two platform in America behind the NFL. Uh, it drives ratings. Fans are engaged. It's just an incredible platform. And I think we have something incredible to, to work with. And we got to make it better. And we got to make sure it, it endures for the long haul. And I think you've got a lot of people that are much brighter than me in this industry that are thinking about that daily. Do I have the answers today? I don't. But I can, I can, you know, I can assure you that we're thinking about it and we're doing everything we can to make sure that, you know, this great sport that we call college football endures uh, and grows and everyone that's a part of it benefits from it. The uh, During the media rights negotiations, fans will often talk about the network's driving expansion talk. How does that work? You're in those meetings. Are the networks saying, hey, we'd love to have this market, Brett, we'd love to have the fourth time zone, or is that more of a Big 12 discussion that you then take to the TV partners? Guys, I, I would say that I, I've never had conversations with our media partners on expansion. Um, you know, that's driven from the conference. Um, our media partners want to amp amplify and elevate who we are today. And, and they're not part of the discussions on what we look like five years or 10 years from now. Obviously, they have a vested interest, but that's not something that they discuss with me. Now, if and when there's an opportunity for me to engage our media partners, um, I will. And I'm sure others have, but it, 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 it's initiated by the conference. Uh, and that's a discussion that I have, obviously, with my key stakeholders, um, not the media partners. Best advice you ever received. <laughs> so I have a mentor. His name is Jim Donald. Jim Donald is today one of the co-chairs of Albertsons. And. Many years ago, when I met Jim, at the time he was the CEO of Pathmark Supermarkets, went on to be the CEO of Starbucks and a bunch of other major companies after that. I, we sat down for lunch and I was amazed with who he was, both personally and professionally. And I asked him, I said, Jim, do you balance? I mean, how do you how do you have balance in life? You know, with, with everything that goes on on the personal side and everything that goes on the professional side. And he said to me, Brett, I subscribe to a concept called life blend, where both the personal and the professional intersect and they're blended. It's very challenging to kind of lean in one direction or the other. It's much easier to have the two blend together. And that's how I've lived my life. You know, I've got a beautiful wife. I've got two kids. I've been able to engage them in my career. Uh, and in many respects, I've been able to blend my personal and professional life um, to the point where it's really worked out really well for me. So I think when I look back, that's been probably the best advice that I've ever received in how to live my life and how to create this blend factor. Um, and it's put me in a place where I'm very happy. 
And, um, you know, I, I have a great family life, but also a great professional life. So I thank Jim often when I see him on that advice. Brett Yormark, Big 12 Conference Commissioner, thank you for your time. Really, I look forward to meeting you both in person. So thank you so much. Enjoy the tournament. Thank you. Bye-bye. There he goes. Brett Yormark, uh, Big 12 Conference Commissioner. Now, that interview took weeks and weeks and weeks to put together. We worked on that a long time. Uh, Wilner, your quick takeaways. Yeah, no, it was incredibly insightful uh, in terms of his you know, his strategy and his perspective. And we should probably be fully transparent with the listeners. We've been trying to uh, get Brett on since the fall. And uh, he has, uh, there's never been any indication that he wouldn't do it. It's just, he was very busy with a bunch of things and it ended up getting them in the holidays, got delayed. And it, it is purely a coincidence that we had scheduled it for, what is it, five days after they announced their Texas and Oklahoma uh, news, but certainly worked out great in that regard. You know, I thought, it, it, to me, a couple of things stood out. One is just his whole attitude, you know, he makes no bones about the fact that he is a salesman at heart and he is selling the Big 12 product and he is aggressive in pursuit of his goals. And it just, so much of that runs counter to the staid conservative world of higher education. And I'm just fascinated by that dynamic and the way his presidents are maneuvering forward with him. Like, and I can envision him just kind of trying to haul them along as he, he tries to accomplish things in a matter of months that in college sports sometimes take, take years. I think it's interesting to kind of look at the makeup of the Power Five Conference commissioners, too. And and Brett Yormark, and I don't mean this as a slap, he's a salesman. He's always selling. That's what he has done. It's what he did at Rock Nation. It's what he did in the NBA. It's what he's doing in the Big 12. He's selling. And and I don't like necessarily think see that as a negative. He's just, I think he's a little more ambitious and forward thinking than some of the other commissioners. And he might be right for the Big 12. But I'm also really interested in the overall ecosystem with these five commissioners who are dramatically different in background and in personality. And and it's very interesting to me. You know, we've had Greg Sankey on for a podcast interview for our listeners. If you didn't listen to the Sankey podcast, go back and listen to it. We've had George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, on. Um, you know, clearly we need to get into the ACC territory next, Wilner. But I just think getting to know him a little bit, hearing his motivation— Clearly hearing his love of basketball and how he spoke about basketball as undervalued was interesting to me. Yes, but very. I'm I'm curious what our listeners think as well. And you can tweet at us, at John Canzano BFT on Twitter for me, at Wilner Hotline to tweet at John Wilner. Tell us what you thought of Brett Yormark's interview and uh, and who do we need to get on next? That becomes the, the next step for us. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. He is... The great John Canzano, johncanzano.com, John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Pac-12 Hotline. Appreciate you listening.